Well, good morning, Northbrook. How are we doing this morning? Good, excellent. Here we are, marching towards Christmas in the rain. Isn't that great? Yes. Well, welcome. My name is uh, John. I'm one of the pastors here at Northbrook. Excited to be with you uh, as we continue our Christmas series. One announcement before we continue on in our series, and that is the MB Life magazine is available, the January through April edition out in the lobby, or if you're watching online, there are there's a digital version on our website. And uh, I was paging through this this week, and uh, I just got so excited for the things that God is going to do in the new year. And I uh, just want to encourage you to take a peek and uh, and look at some of the, the great things that are going to be going on in the new year here at Northbrook. Uh, we have life groups, and I'm so excited for people that are going to grow in community in the new year, maybe meet some new friends, grow in their faith. Uh, we have life groups for parents, and so if you're a parent looking for resources on, and, and people that can come alongside you as you try to parent your kids, we have life groups for that. We also have an equipped parenting conference coming up in the new year. Uh, if marriages, if you're looking to strengthen your marriage, we have marriage life groups, we have marriage retreats and a marriage conference coming up in the new year. Um, and uh, just all across the board, so many great things going on downstairs in our kids' ministry. Our students are going to be going on a winter retreat in February. Um, all across the board, so many great things going on at Northbrook, and uh, so excited to see how God's going to work in the new year. And so I uh, want to encourage you to take some time, page through this magazine, and ask yourself, what is God asking you to do, maybe even to step outside of your comfort zone a little bit in the coming year to grow in your faith and to be a part of what God's doing in the world? And maybe it involves Northbrook, and maybe it doesn't. But either way, I encourage you to take some time and, and pray about what God is inviting you to do in the new year. Also, lastly, if you are interested in getting a sneak peek on our new series in January. It's called Jesus in His Own Words, and uh, there's an article at the beginning of this magazine that kind of gives you a little sneak peek into our new series in January, which I'm very excited about. All right, so question for you. Do you know what time of year it is? I'm going to tell you. It is the most wonderful time of the year. Can we just all agree? It is the most wonderful. I mean, what other time of year can you rock a gaudy suit on stage and hopefully get no connection cards mad at you? It's Christmas time. Christmas is my favorite time of the year. I mean, there are so many reasons that Christmas is my favorite time of the year. I mean, first of all, the music. I mean, the beautiful music that we just heard. And when else can you listen to your Spotify playlist or the radio and hear beautiful songs of the season? And then right after that, boom, a kid that wants his two front teeth for Christmas. Like, I mean, there's just so much variety in our Christmas songs, and it's so beautiful. And of course, we have Christmas movies. Anyone like Christmas movies in the room? I mean, you got your classics, White Christmas, It's a Wonderful Life, Miracle on 34th Street, A Christmas Carol, A Christmas Story, and of course, the, the one that beats them all, Elf, right? I mean, that's, that's the bar as far as I'm concerned. And then, of course, you have, in its own separate Christmas category, you have Hallmark Christmas movies. When else are you going to sit down and turn on a movie and five minutes into the movie know exactly what's going to happen and be like, yes, that lawyer is going to go back home, they're going to get snowed in, they're going to meet a local baker that only bakes Christmas cookies and they're going to live happily ever after, but I'm going to watch the whole thing and know exactly what's going to happen. Speaking of Christmas cookies, can we just, can we just acknowledge that Christmas cookies, I mean, there's so many varieties at Christmas, it's what makes Christmas so amazing. 
And of course, the eggnog. Any eggnog fans in the room? Okay, the rest of you, no one's perfect. It's okay. If you like eggnog, a little, little pro tip, eggnog in your coffee. It's amazing. It combines the two best drinks on the planet together. It'll change your life. And then, of course, the decorations, right? Lights on trees. I love Christmas trees. In our house, we have two trees. We have our beautiful family tree. And then we have the majestic, amazing Denver Bronco Christmas tree. Yes. Yes. Now, backstory, my parents have given me a Bronco ornament ever since I was a kid. So there are ornaments on that tree from the early 90s up till now. And I started off with just a couple ornaments on a regular tree, and then I graduated to a three-foot tree, and then eventually got the six-foot tree, and I'm in negotiations with my wife for a bigger tree, Um, and I'll let you know down the road if that happens or not. Love Christmas. Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year, except when it isn't. The most wonderful time of the year, except when it isn't. Some of you are familiar with my story. I've shared it a couple times. 2020, 2021 were some pretty difficult years for me. Now, I know 2020 was a difficult year for a lot of people. Uh, But 2020 was the the first year of my life where I experienced uh, anxiety, uh, panic attacks, depression, and uh, I remember uh, halfway through the year, naively thinking, if I can just make it to Christmas, because Christmas is my favorite time of the year. There's just so many amazing things about Christmas, and, and Christmas is a joyful season. If I can just make it to Christmas, then I'm sure this anxiety will go away, and the depression will go away, and I'll be back to my normal, joyful self. And I remember waking up on the day after Thanksgiving, the day after Thanksgiving in our house is the day when we just go nuts for Christmas. We put up all our decorations, the Bronco Christmas tree, we start drinking eggnog, we watch Elf, like we do it all on that day. And I remember halfway through that day thinking, oh no. Because the anxiety and the depression was still there, and now I felt even more frustrated and more depressed because the most wonderful time of the year wasn't wonderful. And I remember thinking at some point during that Christmas season, this thought hit me. What if the most wonderful time of the year will never be wonderful again? And of course, that spiraled me into even more anxiety and more depression. And I don't know where you find yourself this Christmas season. I mean, I hope you find yourself enjoying the season Hope that it's cheery and bright. You're celebrating Jesus' birth joyfully and triumphantly. But I also know that in a group our size, that for some of us in the room, or for some of us watching online, or for many of us who have friends and family, this Christmas season isn't so wonderful. This Christmas season is, in fact, not cheery and bright, but a rather dark season. And so today I want to speak to a truth. I think it's easy to think that the Christmas season is only for people that are joyful and happy and jolly, when in fact I think the opposite is true. I think at the core of Christmas is a truth that while applicable to those that are in a great mood, is actually for those of us in the room that would find ourselves in a dark place. So I want to start in John 1. And read 1 through 5 again, the the words that Hannah just read. 
will be on the screens for you as well. John 1, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So at the very beginning of the Gospel of John, whereas other Gospel writers talk about the genealogy of Jesus and talk about some of the backstory of of Jesus' birth story, John trumps it all, and he just goes back to the beginning. He says, in the beginning was Jesus. God existed, the very, Jesus existed very beginning as God. Well, sure, his birth story starts at a specific time and place, but Jesus has always existed as God. John speaks to this reality. And then he speaks to another reality. He says, there's darkness. Light shines in the darkness. John acknowledges that our world can be a very dark place. That our world is a place of pain and grief and loss and tragedy, hardship. Our world can be a very dark place. Of course, the Jewish people were well acquainted with this reality. When Jesus showed up on the scene, they had been subject to the rule of a foreign empire, the Roman Empire, for hundreds of years. The Roman Empire taxed them unfairly and treated them poorly. Um, it's, it's kind of hard for us to, to relate to. Uh, we're living in the land of the free and the home of the brave. But imagine with me, if you will, that we are ruled by a foreign empire. And tomorrow, when you go to the mall or you go to a grocery store, outside of the mall or that grocery store is an American citizen being tortured and killed. That was the reality for the Jewish people. They would walk outside their homes, they would go to the local market, and by the market would be a cross with a Jewish person being slowly and painfully executed. And the Roman Empire did that publicly for one reason. They wanted to remind the Jewish people, we are in control, and if you step out of line, this is what is going to happen to you. And so the Jewish people were very familiar with the idea that the world is a dark place. And John speaks to this reality. He says, the light shines in the darkness. But in that same sentence, John speaks to another greater reality. He says, and the darkness has not overcome it. John speaks to the reality that our world is a very dark place, but he also speaks to the fact that in the darkness, God is at work, and that darkness, pain, evil, hardship, never has the final say. That light, that God eventually always wins. So when we talk about the joy and the peace and the hope of Christmas, those aren't just warm, fuzzy words we throw around at Christmas time. Those those words speak to reality that has nothing to do with our circumstances. The joy and the peace and the hope of Christmas are not tied to circumstances. They are tied to the reality that we have a God, that though there is darkness, there's free will and bad things happen, that we have a God that is always at work in the darkness, and eventually the darkness ends and turns to light. Light always eventually wins. Any morning people in the room? Okay, a few of you, all right. I'm a morning person. I'm one of those annoying morning people. Like, I wake up and I'm ready for the day. Like, I'm ready to sing and dance and journal and just do the whole thing. And... um, 
couple of years ago, we were taking students on a wilderness retreat. Wilderness retreat is one of my favorite trips that we take students on. Uh, we, we go to the wilderness, that's the name. And uh, they leave their phones at home, no technology. And we whitewater raft and we rock climb and we hike and we sit around a fire at night and talk about God and faith and life. And uh, the last full day, we canoe out to a giant sandbar on the Wisconsin River, and we pack food and tents and everything on our canoes, and we get out to this huge sandbar on the Wisconsin River, and we spend the night on this sandbar. And uh, so I remember that this particular trip, I woke up early and couldn't go back to sleep, and so uh, it was still dark, but I grabbed my Bible and my journal, and I walked out to the edge of the sandbar, and I just sat on the sandbar, and I spent time with God and just waited for the sun to rise. It was a really cool moment. But at no point as I was sitting there on the sandbar in the darkness did I wonder if the sun was going to rise. Like at no point did I sit there and go, you know, I don't know, it's pretty dark. I'm not sure if the sun's going to make it today. Right? Like I knew, and now I didn't know when, I didn't have my watch with me, but I knew that the sun was going to rise. As sure as there is gravity and one plus one equals two, and at some point during the Christmas season, I'm going to hear Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You. As sure as those things are true, like I knew the sun was going to rise. And John is speaking to a reality. A reality that we experience darkness, we experience pain, we experience hardship. That is a reality of a fallen world. That is a reality of a world where we are given free will. But in that reality, we can be absolutely sure that God is at work and eventually... God is going to triumph, that good is going to triumph, that light is going to win. Eventually, the darkness ends. Now, I want to speak to something that I think happens in Christian circles. I think think a lot of us know this. And so what happens when we go through darkness is on top of of feeling uh, sad and feeling... um, feeling like we're struggling, we start to feel shame and guilt. Because we think to ourselves, well, a good Christian should only be joyful. Like a good Christian should just know, well, God is in control and he's working. And so we start to, on top of our our, our difficult emotions, we start to add shame and guilt. And I think that while God is in control and God is working, we as followers of Christ are allowed to feel the emotions that come with darkness. We're allowed to feel grief, sorrow, sadness, Both can be true. We can know God's in control and still feel our emotions. I love the story in John 11 that Jesus, Jesus is, uh, is away and he has a friend named Lazarus. And Lazarus is sick and Lazarus dies and Jesus is still away. And Jesus comes back to Lazarus' hometown and he meets with Lazarus' sisters, Mary and Martha. And of course they're distraught that their brother has died. And what makes matters worse is they tell Jesus, if you had been here, we are, we are so sure that you could have kept Lazarus from dying. Like, our brother didn't have to die if you had been here. And it's fascinating that Jesus is, Jesus knows he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. Like, Jesus comes back and he is, he is aware of what he's about to do. But he doesn't walk in and say, hey, Mary Martha, knock it off. Stop crying. It's going to be fine. Let's turn that frown upside down. Jesus doesn't walk in and go, come on, guys. It's not a big deal. Like, I'm, I'm here. In fact, quite the opposite happens. Jesus walks into the situation, and the shortest verse in all of Scripture simply says, Jesus wept. Not only does Jesus allow their grief, but he enters into their grief with them. 
Jesus allows the sisters to feel the emotion of sadness. Or take Mary. Mary, the mother of Jesus. You know, Mary gets a lot of press around Christmas time for the birth of Jesus, and then we just kind of forget about her the rest of the way. But, yes, Mary has this beautiful moment where she agrees to be the mother of God, and and the, the shepherds come, and eventually the magi show up, and Mary treasures all this in her heart. But that beautiful moment of being the mother of God will lead 33 years later to what I have to believe was Mary's worst day when she watched her son be brutally tortured and executed. And not only was her son brutally tortured and executed, he was executed by the Roman Empire, but it was at the wishes of Mary's religious leaders and her people that demanded that her son be executed. And there's this beautiful moment in the Gospel of John where Jesus is on the cross and he looks down at his mom. His mom is there at the foot of the cross watching her son take his last breath. And Jesus knows that he's going to rise again in three days. But Jesus doesn't say to his mom, hey mom, chill. It's going to be fine. Mom, stop crying. It's okay. Quite the opposite. Jesus looks down at his mom and he sees one of his disciples and he says to his disciple, hey, Take care of my mom. In this beautiful moment, Jesus doesn't invalidate her feelings. He doesn't tell her that she needs to just stop it. While he's dying on the cross, he looks out for her. And so all of this to say that as followers of, of, of Jesus, that, we, that we, can, we can believe two things. Two things can be true. One, there is darkness and we are allowed to feel the feelings that come with a fallen world. Feelings of deep sorrow grief, sadness, and yet what is also true is that God is at work in our darkness, in our difficulty, and eventually we can hold on to the truth and we can have hope in the midst of our grief that eventually God will turn our situation around. I love what Paul says in Romans eight twenty eight. He says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I am so thankful that God told Paul to write in all things. Not in some things, right? If, if, if Paul says, and we know that in some things God works for the good of those, right? That would be, that would talk about anxiety, right? Like that would be, every time you get into a difficult situation, you're like, I don't know, is God at work in this? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe I messed it up too bad. And God's like, I don't know what to do here. No, no, Paul says in all things. In all things that we experience, in all things that we go through, in every situation, God has not abandoned us. God is not punishing us. God is not looking at us going, wow, you really messed this up. I don't know what to do here. God is at work for our good. In our waiting, God is working. In our difficulty, God has not abandoned us. God is with us. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Speaks to two realities. We experience darkness in this world, and yet we can be confident that God is at work in our darkness. So before we wrap up today, I want to give you two challenges based on our text today. Two challenges as we round the corner and head down the final stretch to Christmas. So first, number one, for those of us who find ourselves with joy and wonder and excitement this Christmas season... Number one, be mindful of those in the dark. For some of our friends and our family members, our neighbors, our coworkers, for many different reasons, this Christmas season will not be the most wonderful time of the year. 
And as followers of Jesus, it is our responsibility, our opportunity to walk with them. Paul writes in Galatians 6 to carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Paul says as followers of Jesus, we have a responsibility to look around, and when we see someone that we can tell is carrying a heavy burden, that it is our responsibility, that this is how we fulfill the law of Christ, is to walk over and find a way to walk with them and ease their burden. Paul writes in Romans 12, 15, he says, Rejoice with those who rejoice, but also mourn with those who mourn. You know, it's easy to rejoice with those who rejoice if you're feeling joyful. But if you're feeling joyful, it's a lot harder to step into someone's life who's mourning and truly mourn with them. But that's what we're required to do as followers of Jesus. To look around and see those in a season of mourning and to enter into their life and mourn with them. And notice, in neither of those passages did Paul say anything about showing up with answers and advice. Now hear me, there are times when the Holy Spirit gives us a word of encouragement or a word of truth to speak to someone going through a difficult time. But I think as followers of Jesus, we should be slow to speak and quick to listen when we show up in people's lives who are going through a difficult time. I know in 2020, when I was going through a difficult time, like I, I knew all the right answers, right? I'm a pastor. I knew that eventually God was going to work it out for good, and, and, and I knew that God was with me. Like I knew all of the right things, but what I needed from people around me was not for them to repeat the right things. What I needed from people around me was to say, John, I'm going to walk with you in this season until you make it through. I'm going to be here for you. I don't have all the answers, but I will hold space with you until you make it through this season. Pastor Mike talked about this last week in John 9. There's a story. Jesus' disciples see this man born blind, and they say to Jesus, hey, who messed up? Did he mess up, or did his parents mess up? So they, they want a quick answer. They want an easy explanation as to why there's darkness, as to why there's bad things in our world. They want an explanation that just makes sense. So they could wrap up the situation in a nice little bow and move on. And Jesus says to them, no one messed up. No one sinned. This happened so that God could work in his life. In other words, there's no tidy little explanation as to why there was darkness, as to why this man was born blind. But God's at work in it. Sometimes when we show up in people's lives, we don't have to give them answers as to why it happened, but we can point to a truth that God is with them and we're going to be with them while they walk through this difficult season. So what would it look like this week to carry someone's burden, to mourn with someone who's in a season of mourning? Perhaps there's someone in our life that God is asking us, inviting us, to walk with this Christmas season. And we don't, we don't have to show up with all the answers. We can give them the gift of our presence. Hold space with them. So that's number one. Secondly, second challenge for us is remember the light. Remember the light. For those of us who find ourselves in a dark place this Christmas season, Christmas is about remembering the light. Who or what is the light? It's Jesus. John eight twelve. 
When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is the light of Christmas. And light reveals truth, right? If you're in a dark room, you can't see what the room looks like. You turn on the light, and light reveals what has been true the whole time. You just didn't see it. You didn't know it. When Jesus came to earth, he revealed truth. What truth did he reveal? He revealed the truth of what God is like. Because for thousands of years, our world debated and argued over what is God or what are the gods like. And civilizations said, well, well God's angry and you've got to appease him. Or, or the gods are fickle and some days they like you and some days they don't. Or the gods are indifferent or bored or they don't care or there is no God and it's all just a cosmic joke and we just live over we want and then we die. And there was all these competing different beliefs about what God is like, and it caused chaos. It caused civilizations to sacrifice their own babies in fire to appease their gods. It caused civilizations to war against each other and to kill each other for the sake of their gods. It caused individuals to live in darkness, believing that there's no purpose, there's no point to it all. It's just all a sick joke. And then Jesus came to earth. In this beautiful moment, God said, I don't need you to sacrifice your children. I'll sacrifice mine for you. And in this beautiful moment, the question of what is God like was answered once and for all. God, our God is a God who loves us so much that he was willing to become one of us and allow his creation to crucify him to a cross. And our God is a God who is with us. And though he created free will and there is darkness in our world with free will, that our God is a God who is always with us and at work for our good. We are his children, created in his image. And the question of what is God like was forever answered when God showed up in human form. That is the truth and the hope and the joy and the peace of Christmas. The, the hope and joy and peace of Christmas is not tied to circumstances. It's tied to a reality that we serve a God that is with us in our darkness. I love what Jesus says in John sixteen thirty three. He says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus has overcome the world. God has overcome the world. That was the the message to the Jewish people. It's the message to Mary and the shepherds, the Magi. And it's the message to you and me. There's an old Cherokee Indian legend about a rite of passage that all young Cherokee men went through. When when a boy was becoming a man, a Cherokee father would take the young boy out deep into the forest. And uh, just as the sun was setting, he would take him deep into the forest and uh, he would come out, he would go out there with just a blindfold. And he would take the young boy deep into the forest, and as a last rite of passage, he would tell the boy that he had to sit in the middle of the forest, and he put the blindfold around the boy's face, around his eyes, so he couldn't see, and he would tell the boy that he had to stay there and not move 
until he could sense the first rays of the new morning sun hitting the blindfold. He had to sit there with the blindfold on all night, and after he told the boy that, the father would march back to the village. Well, I can only imagine that that night must have felt like an eternity for every young boy, sitting there with a blindfold over covering his face, not knowing what dangers were creeping towards him, alone in the darkness. But if the boy could make it all night without removing the blindfold, as the first rays of the new morning hit the blindfold and he tore the blindfold off, what the boy would discover was the father had been guarding him all night. The father had marched away but then crept back and been protecting his son all night. The the boy thought he was alone in the darkness, but he had never been alone. And at the heart of the Christmas story is that truth. That on your worst day, when you feel the darkness and you think you're alone, that your Heavenly Father is right there with you. That your Heavenly Father is at work in it. And though some things happen and we don't understand why God allows it to happen, we can be confident that He's never left us, He's not mad at us, that He loves us, and He's with us, and He's working for our good. So today, as we close, I've asked our amazing worship team to sing a song called The Light of Christmas that speaks to this reality. And I just want to challenge you in these closing minutes as they sing this song to take some time and reflect and ask God what what he wants to speak to you today. Maybe for some of us, there's an opportunity to walk with someone who's having a difficult Christmas season. Maybe for others of us who find ourselves in a dark place, today's message is very simple, that, that in your darkness, God is with you. And he's working. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your goodness and your love. I thank you that you are at work in whatever we're going through. And though there are times when, even with free will, I don't understand why you allow certain things to happen. I'm thankful that I can trust that you are at work for our good. That Jesus was the answer to what you are like. Father, I pray for those in a difficult, dark season this Christmas. I pray that they would sense your peace, your love, and your hope. In Jesus' name, amen.